Welcome, Katie Beecher. I'm so excited to have you here. Katie is a licensed medical and emotional intuitive professional, and uh, she has an incredible story to share with us. I don't want to say it right now, but we'll share it later in the podcast. And uh, today, the topic that we are going to discuss is emotional eating, binge eating, and how it is interconnected with our emotions and everything in our inside of us. So welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you. So let's start right away. So your story is so incredible. I actually read it, you know, on your on your website, you have an incredible book, which I want to discuss as well. But if you don't mind just kind of starting off, just give us your history. How did you get to this point and to become an emotional, intuitive uh, professional? Sure. Um, so I have always been able to pick up people's emotions, know what other people were thinking, felt very tuned in to older people, even when I was younger. Um, I remember looking up at my parents when I was three and saying, hearing a voice that said, these people are not equipped to raise you. You're going to have to do it on your own. So I always had a connection to something. I didn't know what it was at the time. Um, and it was a fairly dysfunctional family situation. I learned some family secrets later on that I you know, wrote about in my book. But between that and being bullied when I was 10 for going through puberty early, um, girls are fun, aren't they? <laughs> I ended up with a pretty serious eating disorder. And I was bulimic. I was throwing up three times a day. It started with, of course, binge eating and anorexia and, and all the things and it culminated in, in bulimia. But I really hated myself and I hated my life and I didn't see any way out. And I had a suicide plan. I was, you know, um, ready. And then I don't know if it was maybe getting accepted into college that was kind of far away or whatever. But I came home from school one day and decided that I was going to call our pediatrician and tell them what I was doing. And I had never told anyone before. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anyone. I just, if people suggest, you know, uh, suspected it, I denied it and asked for the name of a therapist. And fortunately, he recommended somebody that really fit with me. She um, was very intuitive. She accepted and encouraged my intuitive gifts, helped me to connect to my intuition and um, and find self-love and self-acceptance, you know, so how and, old, how old were you at this time? That would be good, right? Um, I was 16. I was 16. 16. So in high school. Yeah. Okay. Yes, in high school. Yeah. Um, that's an important part of the story. Right. Um, but I feel like it was divine intervention because I took all of that, which is one of the best things that ever happened to me. I became a licensed counselor, always worked really intuitively. And then during sessions, I started accidentally channeling people's relative. Wow. So that was really weird. But I thought, okay, I can't, you know, push this aside anymore. I have to use it. I have to, this is a thing. And um, through another series of events, my mom became sick and, and other things. Um, I realized that I also had the ability to do medical intuition. And with just a name and an age, um, I create a four page report with so many intimate details about people's lives. And it's like relationships and health and emotional stuff and um, and career and trauma and anything that is impacting them either positively or negatively. Because it's not just let's focus on negative. That's not you know what you want to do. It's about healing. So 
yeah, now I'm doing this and part of my work involves intuitive soul paintings and I get to help people all over the world. I love it. That's so, so unique. And I, I see why I was drawn to you. There was something about you because I'm, so, I'm very intuitive. Like it, it's like, and it's become stronger that the older I get, the more yeah. I clear out and the more I'm, it, it is, it's amazing. Like on this note, I do want to mention that I'm an, I'm an advanced practice nurse and we are not doctors. This Everything right. we discuss in here is our personal experience. We're sharing our stories, but we're not sharing any medical advice, obviously. So always consult your PCP if you have any questions or anything. So um, that I, I wanted to throw that in. <laughs> Very important. Very important. I don't diagnose and I don't pretend to. And anybody yeah. who works like this and tries to diagnose you or tell you they can heal you, I really, those are red flags. Absolutely. So, so yeah, we just want to be clear because sometimes people you know, they're like, oh, okay, I have uh, anorexia, bulimia, or this and that, and I can heal myself by myself. Like, don't. So, so Katie, so tell me about, you know, I struggled with emotional eating, at times even binge eating. I don't know if I was like actually clinically diagnosed, because I think you have to be like a certain amount of time you have to binge. So I don't know that I was actually there, but I did definitely, I was an emotional eater like 10 years ago. I was 70 pounds heavier, miserable. And, and I know it was all from the inner self, my emotions, like how I felt about myself, self-love. And I know there's so many people struggling. I, like majority of my clients, my followers do struggle with some type of emotional eating. It's such a common thing, especially in women. I don't know if it's as common in men, but do you mind sharing some insight? I know you've overcome your emotional eating, binge eating, and a lot of other things. Like, can you share some information on like how someone can maybe, how you can help someone with that? No, absolutely. And and I want to say, we're so hard on ourselves. And we're, we're all so quick to say I'm weak, or I don't have any willpower, or there's something wrong with me, or I'm ugly, or any of the labels that we put on ourselves that are not true and are not mm. helpful. Yep. And there's very real reasons why people emotionally eat or binge eat or really um, are attracted to any sort of addiction. And I think looking at it from an addiction model helps a lot because for one thing, um, emotionally, addictions are things that they're kind of a way to avoid dealing with painful things, mm. avoid dealing with challenging things, um, even avoiding dealing with like happy things, because sometimes we want to be creative, you know, or we want to start a business or we want to quit a job or something like that. And that's really scary too. So there's a fear of success, you know, so, or we don't think, oh, we do it. yeah. so it's not always about anything negative. And I try to be really positive when I talk to people because I think that's important. So thinking about it from addiction point of view, it makes sense. And the foods that we normally go to, you know, you normally don't go binge on celery or string beans. <laughs> yes. um, you, you binge on stuff that has serotonin or other feel good. Um, the comfort, the comfort foods. Yeah. The carbs, the yes, chocolate yeah. carbs. Yep. And there's a reason because the, the amino acids and the chemicals in those they create calming chemicals in us or numbing 
I mean, if you and how much you go, but it's calming. So a lot of people with anxiety, especially anxiety that they can't pinpoint, not really sure what it's about. It's just, this feels so incredibly uncomfortable that I'm going to go do something that helps me physically and emotionally feel better. So you're not a bad person. You're not a weak person if you do this. And um, so understanding it is, is a piece of it. Um, there's a lot of ways to approach it physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And one of the things that I suggest to people is start from the point of view of self-acceptance and self-love without judgment. I know that's tough, but one technique I have that I really like, and you can use this for a lot of things, is talk to the underlying anxiety, perhaps. Talk to the emotional eating, talk to it like it's a person, right? And actually write to it, but write to it as your friend, because there's a reason why it's happening. It's not coming out of the blue. It doesn't have control over you, which it often feels, right? So talk to it like a friend and say things like, you know, what am I feeling? What do you want me to know? Why are you here? You've got my attention. You know, even to wait, you can do this to wait too. And it's on your body in general, but you know, you've got my attention. What do you need? Eating and weight are also ways of grounding because the gravity pushes you to the ground. And if you're um, anxious or dealing with trauma, right? Or dealing with any sort of pain or grief, being in your body's not comfortable. So you kind of live outside up here in your head a lot. Um, and also being empathic and sensitive. Because other people's emotions can sometimes be too much or you want to fix them. And it's just like so overwhelming and you just like need a break. So we live out here and we're not living in our bodies. And so weight is a way of grounding us and bringing us back to the body. Um, it's also a way of getting other people's attention. So you're taking up more space. And if you don't feel hurt, with your voice or your actions, then you still, we still need to be heard. And a way of doing that is by getting bigger, physically getting bigger or getting really small so that people can worry about you. So I think it's, it's really understand. And I love to work from this perspective of the root cause and causes and contributors and really think about what are my motivations? What am I getting out of this? How is this serving me? You know, maybe I don't have to be afraid of it. I can listen and befriend it and find other ways to address that anxiety or address the grief or address the other stuff that are actually solving the problem and not burying it deeper down. What about, so like, I mean, I know people have said before, like, it's easier said than done. Love, just love yourself and accept yourself. And I, listen, I've tried that for a long time when I was in that space because I just wasn't good enough. I was like, I'm fat. I'm the, you know, I would call myself the worst names possible. And I remember somebody says, you have to love yourself. I'm like, I can't love myself. And so like how, I mean, I do now, obviously, and I practice that every single day by affirmations and and stuff but like how someone that's so I don't know so deep in their own okay. stuff like how do they how do they just love themselves how do they accept themselves yeah, you're absolutely right when I was starting out with my healing and stuff um I really totally hated myself I had no concept of myself 
Never mind. I didn't even have a self to hate. I didn't even know what that meant. And so it was really little by little and it was up and down. And for me, a big help was finding intuition or spirit to connect to. I'm going to go back to that in a second, but it really is little baby steps. Like sometimes it's just noticing, wow, I just said that to myself or wow, I just looked in the mirror and noticed the part of myself that I don't like. What are these things that I'm doing that are keeping me in this spiral of hate or of things that I don't want to do? And sometimes it's just, I just said this to myself that I, I hate myself or I'm ugly. I am going to now tell myself the opposite. And there's a, there's a little bit of fake until you make it going on, you know, for sure. But part of my recovery, I was not a thin person when I was bulimic, I was overweight. So, and I knew that I would have to love and accept myself at that overweight piece mm. before I could actually even get to the way they wanted to, never mind, you know, not binging and purging anymore. Yeah. The fear was, right, if I like myself at this weight, I'm just going to keep ballooning. I'm never going to lose mm. any weight. I'm never going to, it's just going to be like crazy. And so it's very, very scary to reverse those, that thought process. So when I think about intuition, it's an all-knowing voice, a source of unconditional love and acceptance that we're all born with. The way I thought about it was like the concept of God, that that's where we came from, um, total love and acceptance. That's what we're, you know, it knows everything about us. It made us, so we're perfect in God's eyes and spirit or, or whatever. So for me, um, connecting with that thing, that was both inside of me and outside of me was like, I can't find the love myself, but I'm going to take a chance and let this send me love. Mm. Let say nice things to me, let that. And so that was part of the process. And then gradually I was able to say those things to myself as well. Um, but I totally didn't think I was worthy, you know, and I still emotionally eat sometimes. I just realize it. Yeah. Like, you just catch yourself sooner. You're like, oh, no, no, no. I call no, it. Not, yeah, I call it the shitty even, committee. I, I call that the, those thoughts. I call it the shitty committee. I was like, uh, uh I already evicted you shitty committee because those thoughts will come back every so often. Like I get them sometimes, too. But then I can quickly snap out and be like, nope, I know, you, you know, that voice is talking smack in my head about I'm not good enough. But then I catch myself, I'm like, I don't believe that. I know I'm good enough. And I'm, or I'm just, I am good enough. I do my best. And exactly. I love what you mentioned about really loving yourself at whatever size you are then. Because we as women make these mistakes. Oh, I'll be happy when I lose 20 pounds. I'll be happy when I can wear that bikini. Trust me, I've been there. I wore that bikini and I still right. wasn't happy. I gained That's all crazy. the weight back. Okay. So it doesn't work. It's, it's really truly being content with who you are and just accepting yourself at whatever state you are. Um, you know, and, you're not going to do well. And with good and bad. There's parts of you that are Absolutely. not great and that are not flattering. And you got to look at that stuff too and be like, okay, that's fine. I, that's, those are things I can change. Yeah, I think sometimes we just feel like we have to be as perfect. You know, if we're not perfect, then we'll just throw in the towel and F it, right? Forget it. So like sometimes I'm not perfect. I, I'm not trying to be perfect. 
I'm just trying to do my best at the time that I'm doing it, right? Sometimes you're struggling, you're having a tough time, relationships, maybe going through a divorce or whatever else. You just do your best. You exactly. can't like guilt and, and shame yourself like, oh, look at me. I'm not good enough because I'm getting divorced or whatnot. It just, it, it really is just, we're just so hard on ourselves. It's it's true. And I want to challenge you and the listeners to think about what you said in a little bit different way. So what if it's not the shitty committee? What if those voices are getting your attention because there's something that you need to address? You're sad about something, mm. anxious. There's something that you have to take care of. Maybe you're not being authentic. Maybe you're in a relationship or a job where they're treating you badly. And those feelings are coming up. And maybe they're hard to consciously think about. So those voices that are saying, eating will make you feel better. You need to calm down. You need to center. You need to focus. Because again, you're mm. focused on eating. What if they're actually your friends? And now if I feel myself emotionally eating, I'm like, okay. I recognize that now I'm kind of, I'm kind of feeling anxious. What's that about? What do I need to do? It's okay. You know? So it's, again, it's about that acceptance. Wow. That's a good point. Actually, I haven't thought about it that way, but that's a very good point. Yeah. Cause all everything, I mean, it, it's not always true, right? But like those voices in your head or those thoughts come up from something, from some kind of lack or, or something that's going on. Definitely. And even if, mm -hmm. if they're negative, often that's about fear, you know, mm -hmm. trying to like, sometimes anxiety can be fear, but it's like, okay, what do I need to be afraid of that? Or mm -hmm. what am I afraid of? Or, you know, what is this attached to instead of feeling like the emotional eating has power over you or the emotions have power over you or the illness has power over you. It's how can I be present and be an active participant in this, and then I can help myself heal. So do you recommend, like, you know, if somebody wants to do it on their own, like, do you recommend, like, do you have, like, a system where you do journal? Do you write things down? Like, how do you recommend, like? Um, that's part of why I wrote my book, is because I really wanted to show people the things that worked for me, what I do with clients. Um, I not only tell my backstory, and stories of other people. Um, I teach people how to connect to intuition in their bodies. Um, I teach people how to look at their whole system, kind of chakra by chakra. So, you know, section of the body by section and look at what are the things that are working here? What aren't working? What are my triggers? Where did these things come from? And kind of, so identifying all of your issues and your strengths so that you can start to not only develop um, or figure out your patterns, but also figure out um, like, where did these things originate from? Mm -hmm. Is there a pattern with, are all my symptoms or a lot of my symptoms like in the root chakra, which is, you know, the family safety security type of thing, or do I have a lot, a lot of gut issues and eating disorders kind of come under, they come eating disorders come under the whole body, but um, you know, a lot of like gut stuff is self-esteem and self-acceptance and things. So to help them look at all of the different root causes. And then there's a, tons of tools and techniques and um, and strategies and things like that that you can use in the book. But also don't be afraid to work with someone, preferably somebody who has addiction or eating disorder, hopefully eating disorder experience, because it's really weird to explain to people. 
And Katie's book is Heal From Within. It's a guidebook to intuitive wellness. So definitely pick it up, Katie Beecher, um, because it's it's an amazing book. And we all need to read it. Like, this is all important. And it's from your personal story, too, which is so empowering. And you're not just writing about something. You went through this. So uh, absolutely amazing. And, you know, something you mentioned earlier, someone like, for instance, if someone is not religious, can they still follow and, and get that spiritual connection with guides? I really love your question, because it's not religious at all. Nothing religious about it. And I even hesitate to work use the word God sometimes, because that adds a religious connotation, kind of. Um, but it's very much um very non-denominational, very much um, a connection to love. So the concept of God as love, if you will. When I first started this, I started to talk to God because that was my concept of love. And then I realized that I had been talking to intuitive guides as well and my own intuition. So the label isn't as important as kind of the concept of the love. And it's like believing in love and hate or the universal energy of love or negativity. It's like you're cho choosing to connect to a loving energy and a loving force rather than something connected with fear, let's say, that can bring you down. You know, not that there's anything wrong with feeling negative, we need to, but if we can connect to that love, then we're we're very centralized and what we need comes from in here. So it helps us set healthy boundaries and what other people are doing and saying is far less important. And a lot of people with addiction stuff, they care a lot about what other people think. And the reality is most of those people, we don't even know. It's just this concept of what might, you know, I remember being like, what if somebody sees me eating? What if somebody's going to think about my weight? Well, it wasn't even happening. No one even actually cared, you know? So there's a lot of things that just we kind of do and don't really think about it. Mm. Well, thank you for answering that question. I wanted to ask that because I know there's people out there that maybe, you know, are not religious. And I wanted to make sure because I, I know the answer to this. And I know that, you know, spiritual connection with a higher purpose, higher power doesn't have to be a religion specific yeah. or, you know, Muslim or whatever. It like it, it is something that comes and we all have it in us. It's that spiritual, that source, that light inside of us. It's it's there. And some of us just haven't allowed it to, to show yeah. up. Or, or people who could not connect to it themselves, who didn't like themselves, they were our teachers. So we're taught that the world is not safe. The world is not loving. You have to be in control at all mm. times. So much of addiction is about control not being able to step back and allow spirit in or allow other people or, you know, allow yourself to possibly be hurt. So yeah, definitely. I love that. And, and how, well, how can you connect to your spirit a little bit stronger? I recently, actually in the last couple of years, I have become more connected to my spiritual side and my intuition and my spirit guides but like for someone that's never even thought about it, like how can you start connecting to that spiritual side of you? 
That is one of my favorite things to teach. And I think during every reading, no matter what we talk about, I always end up teaching this because it's such an important part of my story too. Like if I hadn't learned this, I would not be recovered and I'd also be dead. Like I know that there's no doubt. So with the concept of intuition guides being love, right? A universal love source. Um, my very favorite technique is to physically write out a question of your thoughts or feelings and direct it to that love or intuition or whatever. And whatever you hear back, no matter what it is, write it down and then write back to it. And then whatever you get, write it down and write back to it. And so you're having a written conversation with this loving force and writing down both sides. It can be five minutes, it can be 20 minutes. It doesn't matter. Sometimes I just say, do you have anything to tell me? Because we're very caught up in our own agenda. You know, how can I do this? How can I get better? What I would eat? Always. Um, that doesn't leave us open sometimes for the information that we need. Because um, it's just on one subject. So kind of like in general, what do I need to hear? What do I need help with? Um, you can totally also ask questions about your own, you know, life and your own health. And the talking to your... Um, your symptoms and stuff like that as a friend, it's great to do in writing too, because that really amps it up. So um, so then, and sometimes I just start writing like I'm writing to a friend, especially if I'm not really sure what I'm feeling. Um, doing it in writing is really powerful because you have to stop what you're doing to write. Mm. You're not distracted. You're just sitting there with your paper and you're using your body to write. Um, it's very grounding. I like to call it a mindfulness meditation. All the directions for this are in my book, by the way, and tons of writing prompts and, and things like that. So people always say, well, I can't do it, or I, I always get blocked or whatever. So some of the things that can get in the way are overthinking the process. Oh, uh, gosh, yes. I know, I know. Believe me, I'm, I'm <laughs> do that very well. You know, am I doing this right? Um, what if I make a mistake? You know, is this really my intuition or is it just a voice in my head? Is it just my brain? Is it just something I want to hear? You know, um, I think the biggest block to connecting is when we hear things that are scary or overwhelming. So if you keep hearing, I have to leave my husband or I have to get out of my job or I really need to go back and paint and that feels overwhelming to you or scary to you the natural response is going to be to push it down. And then you push down all of your intuition. Because we don't so, want to deal with it. We're like, okay, if we don't deal with it, we don't bring it up. It doesn't exist. But it does. And then, oh, then you find yourself emotionally eating. Okay, huge connection, right? So what I tell people is whatever information you are hearing, you receive during the writing, whatever, just write it down. No judgment. Um, don't even worry about figuring it out immediately. Just write it down. And then take the conversation from there. So if it's something that feels overwhelming and scary, then write back to it and say, why does it scare me? Why am I overwhelmed by this? Where are my blocks? What's one thing I can do to help myself? So, and it doesn't matter where it's coming from because we're smart. We have smart thoughts. Maybe spirit reminded you of a memory that, you know, relates to what you're going through or whatever. So just, just go with it. You don't have to analyze the crap out of it. And that doing that activity in writing is has been for well i'm 58 so um since i was 16 that has been my surefire way to talk to my guides to figure out what i need to when i have a symptom when i start to gain weight 
which is annoying if I'm, you know, eating the same things. Um, that's my little trigger to be like, okay, what's going on? I'm not connecting. I'm not doing something I need to do. So awesome. it's really powerful. You look amazing. I had no idea you were 58, Katie. You look amazing. You've got beautiful glowing skin, those who are watching it on YouTube. Uh, so great job. And um just I mean what what you said is just so powerful you know we are so good at judging ourselves I do it all the time we overthink everything we're doing it's like it's like a life and death sentence right here and sometimes it's just we just maybe just need to sit with it journaling has been just such a big part of my life in the last year I used to journal like once in a while here and there but now I do it daily, like literally first thing I do in the morning, I wake up and I journal. And, you know, at first when you don't know, you're like, well, I don't know what to write about. I, I get this, like I have this book that is like a daily inspirational messages. And I used to start writing just about that, like how this relates to my life. And then once I kind of got into it, then I just like, let's just start writing stuff. Like what's on my mind? And it there's just something so incredibly healing and liberating about putting your thoughts on the paper because they just sit there like in a little jar that can't escape, right? And exactly. when you put that on the paper, you look at it and you read it and you're like, what, what am I so upset about? It's not so bad. Or maybe the opposite. You're like, okay, this sounds really bad. Like, so. True. I, um, I worked with a person recently who developed a 10-pound tumor in her abdomen. What my guides told me that was, was she had always taken care of her family, been really empathic, taken up a lot of people's energy, tried to fix, tried to all, a lot of grief and trauma. And my guides told me that that was the culmination of all those years of her storing all those feelings. And they got stored up into a little ball. And if you think about third chakra, that's all about self-esteem and self-love and emotionally processing people's feelings in your gut, right? So they told me it was this big ball of stuff that she had been saving all these years and eventually it had to get taken out, it was so big. But our, physically, um, our emotions are incredibly powerful. Wow, that's incredible. I know, right? Um, it's like, it, it gives me like chills in my body because it's like, it's so powerful. It's just like, like it's so simple in a sense but we don't think about it because it's just too easy like totally. it's too easy like oh, it has to be something else it has to be something deeper like a deeper issue no sometimes it's just all the emotions and everything that's built up in this little jar that's about to explode our mind our body our heart our chakras because yes. those are all blockages it blocks that energy that flow that's supposed to be flowing not being stuck and that's where we you know I, I think you know what happened to me like 10 years ago I was just busy working hustling 24 7 and instead of kind of stopping taking care of myself doing some self-care whether it's you know exercise or good sleep or therapy I just let myself get to like 10 out of 10 instead of catching myself at maybe a five, you know, when you're five, you're like, okay, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. My body's, you know, my hormones, everything's out of whack, but I allowed myself get to 10 out of 10 when I was, you know, 70 pounds heavier, feeling like crap, depressed, anxiety, all of that. Like every, I think like, you know, what you went through and myself, 
even though it's a little bit different story in a sense, but it's all the same. And I think all of us go through that. It's true. It's true. And back to the healing thing too, I left out something really important and movement is something that I, I cannot recommend um, more. And partly because, and it's not even from an exercise perspective or a weight perspective, movement is a symbolic way to release emotions. And you not only release anxiety, but you release emotions without even having to process them. And it's so important. And, um, and also like art therapy and creativity, those are amazing way to process emotions without having to like go back and, and recount every single second of the trauma or, you know, like we can word things to death, but that doesn't take care of all the stuff that's stored here. So people are always like, well, I don't really like to go to the gym. What do I do? I'm tired and all this stuff. And my best suggestion is find something that you love. Find something you haven't done before, haven't done in a while, or like for me, that's pole dance and aerial arts. Mm. And uh, I used to do gymnastics when I was a kid, really liked it, um, was always looking for something that would make me that happy again. And so doing, you know, pole sport and things up on an aerial hoop has literally become my salvation. And I don't think about it with weight. Um, I go six to eight hours a week, look forward to every class. It's just fun. I've met people. I'm strong. I feel better about my body than I ever have. And you don't get to wear a lot of clothes up on the pole because you have to stick to it. So, you know, just that has been such a miraculous thing for me. And I would love for everyone to find their thing they love to do. That's awesome. I've never done it, but it, it looks hard. But it I'm is very hard. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But you're right. You know, if you absolutely despise going to the gym you don't have to go to the gym you can if you like going for a walk and listening to something while you're walking that's exercise it doesn't have to be like this specific thing find like katie said find what brings you joy and that's different for everyone and if you're not sure maybe just try different things try this a couple of times try yoga a couple of times pole dancing a couple of times i need to try that by the way i'm putting it on my <laughs> list it's amazing. Oh. Yes. Uh, especially for someone with an eating disorder history, you know, if someone had said you're going to put up your, you know, pictures of yourself on Instagram or compete in a national competition wearing basically a bikini, I would have been like, you are insane. And now because I love sport so much, I don't think about what I'm wearing as much. I'm not now don't get me wrong. I will still look in the mirror and, you know, pick myself apart a little bit. And then I have to be like, no, stop, you know, or <laughs> also get used to weighing more because I have easily 10 pounds of muscle. So I can't go by the number on the scale. You know, it's, it's been a real shift for the positive. That's amazing. So obviously other than reading your book and um, going through the tips you have in there, like what are the things you recommend for someone that is struggling with uh, binge eating, emotional eating? Don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm. Don't be afraid to let people know what you're feeling and what you're going through. Um, preferably find someone who works with a spiritual component to their work, like um, that focuses on self-love and self-esteem and intuition and things like that. If I had gone to traditional eating disorder therapy, which is 
most of the time based on control and behaviors that while there's important components to it, I'm not dissing the whole thing. It doesn't touch on the real issues, which is the self-love and the self-acceptance and trauma. And it just doesn't that it doesn't address it, you know? So find somebody who makes sense to you, um, who encourages you to use your own intuition and judgment and doesn't try to tell you what to do. Um, I think that's a really big one is to have some support in your life because you feel so alone and there's so much shame to it. Mm. Um, and someone who can help you get to some of those, those underlying issues and then do, you know, have, make time for fun things, um, get yourself out, make some friends. It's really a lot of similar addiction concepts. I think that's why the 12 step programs work as well as they do, because they lead you to connect with something outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like finding a loving force or loving friend um, that makes you feel like, you know, you're not alone. And one thing I don't recommend is um, restricting food mm -hmm. I and counting calories. I don't recommend counting carbs. I don't, because that just, it overrides intuitive eating. So intuitive eating is when, um, the way I like to teach it is ask yourself what you want, no judgment. Let's say you want an Oreo, fine, whatever, whatever the hell you want. Okay. Um, hold it in your hand. See if you still want it. If the answer is yes, take one bite, chew it slowly and actually taste your food. Be mindful, be one with your food. And that might be all you need is like you had a little sweet tooth. Um, if you want another bite, fine, take another bite, chew it, enjoy it. But it's when we tune out that we get ourselves in trouble. And when you just get on autopilot, that that binge starts to take place. And you're not even focused on whether or not that food even tastes good or if you even so eat consciously without judgment. And then also after you've had as much as you want to have, then maybe like 15, 20 minutes later, kind of check in with yourself and see how you feel. So do you feel more anxious? Do you feel calmer? Do you have a headache? Do you have a stomach ache? Do you, um, you know, whatever is going on, but that'll also give you an indication of whether or not that your body likes that food. And so the more food that you eat that helps you to be calmer and focused and doesn't give you physical symptoms, um, the more you will know kind of what your body likes and doesn't. Um, so that's a good way of figuring out like food sensitivities and things like that too, but also just what's going to help my mind. What's going to help my energy level? So what about, okay, so this is the very controversial topic here. So like, you know how some people compare, you know, addiction, food addictions, like certain foods are very addicting to the same way, like alcohol addiction, you know, you have to completely cut it out to decrease that stimuli, that addict, that, that, that addictive, like dopamine hit sure. that you get from the chips or franchise, whatever sure. it is. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, that's a great, great, great topic. Um, and I think it varies for everybody. I think intuitively, I feel like most people have dieted 
themselves to death. Like everybody who's overweight has dieted many, many, many times. Maybe we've lost weight, maybe we gained it. Maybe it's this roller cycle, roller coaster cycle. So you don't ever learn to listen to your body and be in tune with it. And so there's this override. And I feel like there, there are definitely foods that are addictive. Like sugar has been shown to be addictive. Even some snack foods, some chemicals in there definitely been shown to be addictive. So if that is something you choose to do and you feel better about it, then that's great. It can be hard to get off of it. Um, I know I went sugar-free for a while and felt really good and didn't want any more sugar. And I don't know what made me, like I don't have a lot of it, but I do have a little sweet tooth, which is fine. So I think it very much depends on the person. I think food restriction can be really triggering too and can then set you off for another binge, right? Um, so there's not just one way of going about it. And, and I feel like being able to listen, let your body be in control and respond to it is kind of more useful in the long run than just cutting out a food group and not really getting in touch with your body about how you're feeling. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I'm just curious because I know that there is like, I, I know sugar, like you mentioned, sugar is very addicting sure. and they compare it to cocaine, like as addictive yeah. as cocaine. I don't know about that. I've never tried cocaine, but, um, but you know, once I had that piece of candy, I'm like, oh, I want more. So, you know, again, and, and sometimes it's nothing about like my, my emotions at the moment. It just totally. tastes so good. And I'm like, I just want some more of it. So yeah, I know that there's, you know, different, I guess, different sides and. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's whatever works for you, really, you know? Yeah. So how do you work with people? Like when they come to you, they, like, let's say someone came to you with like um, food addiction or emotional eating. Um, do you do like a weekly sessions or do you do Zoom? So like, how do you, can you kind of want to walk us through like how your um, counseling works? For sure. So um, I work very differently from other people. Um, the first session, I prefer to know nothing about you at all and just your name and age. So somebody will sign up on my website. I create a very extensive four-page report about everything going on in their life. So whatever my guides pick up, I write down. Oh, so which their is their name and their and their yep. age? Physical, oh. emotional, and spiritual. It's unbelievably detailed. I've been on a lot of different like goop and a lot of different things where they've tested my abilities and you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Cause I wanted it to be tested. I wanted people to be like, you know, this is real or not. And I create an intuitive soul painting before I meet with you too. So what does that mean? Can you, I don't know what, like, can you describe what that means? Intuitive soul painting. Totally. So this is, I'm covering the name, but this is just one example and okay. they're different for everybody. And so depending on where the colors are, the motions, the, um, the placement of the hands, the different things, like they all have meaning and they're, they're specific for each person. So it's another way besides the report of getting information about the person's life in a, um, in a symbolic manner, excuse me. So it just kind of adds to the process and it's kind of fun because when I'm listening to words from my guides, I have to be careful not to interpret, but mm. with this, I can't. It's just there. And then I interpret it when I'm meeting with the person. So it's kind of a fun tool. So I send the report and painting before I meet with anybody. I cannot oh. be this. It's you get wow. it. 
And then I want to do that. <laughs> I right, love right. it. Um, but now you know too much about me already. So will that still work? No, just make me work harder. We'll have to get things that I don't already know. Uh, so send that to you. Uh, we meet for an hour, talk about the report and painting, but also whatever people bring up. Um, I get a lot more information from my guide. And um, a lot of people just need that first session because we get so deep into things and it gives them a lot of tools to get them started. But it's it's literally being like, what are the root causes for what's going on? If there's physical stuff, I have doctors you know, that I refer to, I don't diagnose, but what can we start working on? You know, what are the most important things to you? What are the most urgent things? What are steps you can start taking now? Teaching them about intuition. And so let's say somebody comes to me for like a food thing. We end up talking about that and also so much more, like all the origins of that and what you can do in terms of maybe not enough protein in the diet. So you're not getting enough amino acids. So you're not making enough brain chemicals that you need, you know, so looking at all the different areas of it. And then there are some people, so a lot of people will do that. And then maybe like month, couple months later, they'll make a follow-up appointment, kind of see where they're at and kind of build on it from there. And then there are some people that I work with on a more regular basis and that's usually, I don't have a lot of individual clients, but um, that's normally like um, once every three weeks, once a month. And um, so it's a lot of just, you know, what's going on kind of stuff. What progress have you made? What are things like it's, it's traditional therapy in a tiny, tiny way, but it's very guided by my guides. So it's very intuitive. So it's getting um, signals from my intuition about what they can do, what's going on, helping them build their intuition, um, you know, kind of working on the root issues and, and things like that. So it's, it's very intuitively based and symbolically based, which I think is really fun. That's awesome. I love that. I'm so, I'm definitely doing it, Katie. Oh my gosh. I would love to work with you. I'm excited. Yes. Well, okay. So here's another controversial question. What about like, Obviously, if people say, oh, I don't believe in spirit guides, like, what do you, what do you, because I, I didn't before, like, I didn't, uh, I didn't even know what it even meant, you know, I believed in God or whatnot, but like, I didn't never really kind of connected with that whole idea of spirit guides. So we're, what if someone never really actually like been familiar with that and doesn't perhaps believe? Wonderful in- question. Yes. Wonderful question. I like people have said I'm like the most non woo 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 person they've ever met because I think about intuition as just like, it's, it's literally gut feelings. It's literally even medical intuition. Like if you get a stomachache, for example, or if you have kids, if your kid gets, you know, starts going like this or whatever, um, you immediately have to start figuring out, all right, what is the, what is going on in my body? You know, is this a stomachache? Is it something perhaps I ate? What did I just eat? Um, Do I need to go lay down? Do I need to go take something? Do I need to not eat? You know, what's the origin of this? Um, Do I need to go to the doctor? Is it that bad? And even with our kids, we have to do the same thing. You have to start being a medical detective, really. And a lot of that is just intuitive. You can say it's experience or whatever, but it's really, really intuitive stuff. So I don't think of intuition as anything that's weird or strange. I mean, mine's obviously quite amped up and that's how I 
have lived my life and make a living and all that kind of stuff. So to me, it's just like, I once said to my husband, how do you feel about people? How do you feel being married to somebody who talks to dead people for a living? You know, so I'm a medium too. And he's like, that's just what your skill is. Like some people build houses or they're really good at, you know, I don't know, art or something like that. And he said, that's where your skill level is. And I said, I like that very much. It's very normal. But, you know, we all have it and we all use it. And it's really sad when it gets turned into like something weird or something evil or, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not and it doesn't have to be. It's, it's something we use all the time. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you for answering that. I'm sure, you know, I'm just kind of trying to pick the, some of the questions, you know, of, of the maybe naysayers or people that maybe don't quite believe in it, but, um, yeah. but that was a great uh, answer. I, I can't explain how I do what I do. People get those reports and they're just like totally blown away. And they're like, I feel like you already know me. And how do you do it? I literally do not know the answer to that. The way that I explain it to myself, I guess, is quantum physics in that it's been proven that we are all connected on a cellular, subcellular level. So for me, and it's also um, Carl Jung's concept of the collective unconscious in that we are all connected from beginning of time to now, whether it's through DNA, whether it's energetically, whether it's whatever, stories or whatever, but I just feel like that to me is what explains it scientifically because I don't have anything better to say <laughs> you know i i you know actually recently i heard something because i i work with frequencies as well and i mean and i was trying to actually explain it to my mom but i really sometimes like you can't explain it like okay for instance like i can't really explain how we're on zoom you are in florida i'm in tennessee but we are seeing each other. We're connecting. We feel our energy. We, we're talking. Yep. Like sometimes you might not understand how something is happening. That doesn't make it not real because obviously we are real. We're talking and we're connecting energetically on a on a on a higher level. So, and I think that really helped my mom. It's like, mom, you don't sometimes understand like how the cell phone works. You know, you could be talking to someone in like Antarctica, you know, <laughs> to an Eskimo, and you're like, well, how does it work? I I don't understand how it works, so it must not be real, and that's not true. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely true. So no, that's that makes so much sense to me. You know, and it doesn't. It people have often said like, oh, it goes against God or it goes against whatever you're being evil, and I'm like. I just feel like I'm more connected to what I feel is God anyway, which is love. Yeah. You know, I feel more connected to it. Not that I, I know I'm not doing anything bad or I'm helping people to like to heal and, and find their true selves and be happier. And what's more loving than that. That's I love that. Do you practice Reiki or, or is is that different Um, from what you do? No, I mean, I, I am a Reiki master. Like I've gone through the, classes and stuff. Um, I don't do it very much. Sometimes like I'll do it for my husband or on myself or whatever, Um, but it's not something I do, you know, all that much anymore. I really like it though. I love it. Yeah. And I think for like people who are starting to learn about spirituality or about their, um, their different abilities, I think it's a great way to start because it's accessible to everybody. It's like a one day class to start with. So I think that's a great way to like learn more about that. Mm. I recently had an experience with like Reiki practitioner and I, I, I've been wanting to do it for a while, but like, I just, you know, like 
it was so incredible, like 90 minute session. And I was just blown away. I was like, and it was, he was also medium as well and connected to the higher um, power, like spirits and stuff, spirit yep. guides. And it was just, it it was just absolutely incredible. Like I can't even describe it. It was yeah. unbelievable. And then you think about it, like hospitals use something called healing touch mm-hmm. and they're even starting to use Reiki and they're starting to like, and, and, hospitals are tough nuts to crack you know so they were even they are even recognizing the power of these kind of things yeah yeah and you know i mean you can research it i mean it's it's a legit thing that they do use and in the medical field as well it's not just some woo thing It, it helps um so yeah I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all this. It's so it's so incredible and so mind-blowing. And I see why we got connected to each other because there's again energy and how you connect with certain people. It's pretty yep. um how say it? serendipitous <laughs> or like it's yeah. just it's interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's totally I never know who, you know, I send out inquiries with people that I resonate with, and I'm like, we'll see what happens. And it's always fun to to see the connections that end up getting made. Yeah, I love it. My, obviously, I want everyone to get your book, The Healer Within, and and definitely let us know what you what you what you think, you how you can heal from within, and and if it really if it helps you, let it, let Katie know. Message me. Um, she, what is your you have Instagram and Facebook use? Which yeah. social media do you typically? What do you prefer to be contacted I mean, I'm, on? I, I'm actually through my website's the easiest way. It's just katiebeecher.com. But yeah, I have a, a huge um, Instagram following, Katie Beecher Medical Intuitive, and then um, Facebook as well. So um, you know, I will I'm, share all the links to your social media in the description as well. So if somebody wants to reach out to you or ask a question or schedule a consultation, or just simply just let, let us know how, what you thought of this. And if you've read her book and how it maybe changed your life or inspired you to, to seek something within. Yeah. Yes. Um, my last question that I love asking my guests, all my guests, is what are the three things you wish you had known sooner in, you know, related to anything in your life, relationships, life, <laughs> health? Yeah. Um, one of the things is I wish so many times that I had not pushed my agenda so far that you can get what you need and what you want. And it doesn't always have to be your way or in your timetable. And that the more you push, the worse you can make it sometimes. So that's mm. been a lesson learned. Also that I wish I'd started speaking up for myself much earlier in life and using my voice and not being so concerned with what other people thought, you know, including my own family. So it doesn't always make life easy, but it's really important and necessary. And also just that, you know, self-love is something we're born with and it's often undone by people who don't love themselves but that doesn't mean it's not there and that you don't don't deserve it so um, while you may not always feel total self-love you can get to the self-acceptance part and you know be okay with the imperfect person that you are and we're all more the same than different Mm. it's a great point very great great points absolutely and to kind of speak on the last one the self-love you said like 
we are born with self-love and what age because i remember reading this somewhere at like age is it four or six where we start to take the ideas of the world oh, i'm not good enough or i'm this or that like what do you know what age i mean i think it can start from birth honestly because mm-hmm. even you know you pick up your parents or the people around you energy in the womb so yeah. i really feel like it can start from the womb it generational start- generational yeah Yeah. And just, you know, how you're being treated. If you are crying and you're not getting fed or you're not getting what you need, then you go into survival mode and you stop, you know, stop being able to think about love or whatever. And you're just in, in survival mode of, of basic living. So, Mm. you know, I can start incredibly early. Who'd like, you know, mother's stress during pregnancy also affect like, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. And shame. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I learned some stuff about um, circumstances of my conception and, and birth when I was uh, 45 that I had been lied to my entire life. And it, it really explained like so much of mm. my parents had acted the way they did and treated me the way they did. And, and it was like, you secrets are so bad, you know, but it was from shame and and not being aware of that. And then like, of course it gets passed down. You know, how could it not? Energetic frequencies. Wow. Gosh, the things we wish you knew then what we know <laughs> now, right? But I guess sure. it's never too late. You know, if this message, you were meant to hear this message. You're listening to this, you're watching to this. You're meant, I believe, I, I don't, I don't believe in just random stuff. I believe everything and everyone, situation, everything is happening for us. Like, yeah. We are meant to be whatever we are at whatever place. If we are open and, and following the guides or whatever our life. I, I agree. And if you don't know who your guides are, that's totally okay. I don't know the names of my guides. I know some are Native American. I know some things about them. But my other guides are like my grandparents and my mom. And mm. and there's basically, when I look at it, there's a big line, big just rows and rows of people who are there for you. So you don't, if you don't know the names, if you don't see them, it doesn't mean they're not there. You know, you're being taken care of and, um, and know that you are loved and supported. What if you don't know that you have guides? Like does everybody have guides, spirit guides? I I think we do. I think that, and maybe think of them as angels, maybe think of, you know, in terms that make sense to you. Um, Like when I write, I don't just write to one guide or one person. I just, I just kind of, I'm like, okay, spirit world, whoever wants to come in, come in, you know, God, love, whatever. Um, I'm just open to anybody's wisdom who wants to come in. So I don't really think about it in terms of like separate guides and stuff like that. There are some people who do, and that's totally cool, but um, that's, you know, not what has worked for me. So. Incredible. So interesting. So interesting. I love it. Well, thank you, Katie, so much for sharing your wisdom and your experiences that you've learned over the last 40 something years. So thank you. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And I look forward to more conversations on different intuitive spiritual topics, because it. it is something that it has like blown up in my life. And and I'm just going with it. There's a reason why it has presented it in my life. I, I agree. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you, Katie.